Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody and welcome to episode number two, The Dose. The, the, dose? the dose? The Deuce? The Deuce? Part de. Part de. <laughs> this is Cincinnati Style, <laughs> Craft Root Sports Cincinnati Style. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. This is our second episode of Cincinnati Style, where our takes are just like the chili, going to give you the runs. And you're only going to like it if you're from here. Okay, that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Scott is here with me. I am Mike. Joe is behind the computer. Joe, how you feeling tonight, man? What to do, baby? <laughs> Very good, based off that assessment. By the way, my three-year-old says that now because I was really? saying it. Yes, I said it randomly because oh, I, Joe had me like... son's the best. Yeah, Joe had it creep into my psyche, and I, I said it randomly, and Jude was just like, what to do, baby? And I was like, <laughs> go tell your mother that right now. This is the greatest. <laughs> Jews awesome. <laughs> uh, this is Craft Root Sports Cincinnati Style, and Craft Root Sports Cincinnati Style is brought to you by Minuteman Tickets. Look, everybody, football is back, and there's only one spot you should be heading to go to get your college football or NFL tickets, and that's Minuteman Tickets. We love Minuteman. They're Ohio guys just like us. They're sports fans, and they're not going to screw you over like other ticketing places. Not just football either. They got it all. Baseball, hockey, theater, rib cook-offs. It doesn't matter. Minuteman does it all. Hit them up, MinutemanTickets.com, or give them a call, 614-943-3000, and avoid all of the fees. Tell them you heard about them right here on Craft Brood Sports, Cincinnati style. Booyah! Nailed it. Scott, we got a lot to talk about because we went in last <laughs> week, kind of went hard on both UC and the Bengals. One of those ended up being true, and the other one, not so much. Uh, so we got a lot to get into for these Cincinnati teams this week. Yeah, and the Bengals, man, coming out just, I think, it, it's premature and, and a little ridiculous in week one to say shocking the world, but shocking the NFL world. Shocking at least Cincinnati. Sure. They uh, got the highest grade of any team and they lost the game. But they had the highest grade on uh, pro football focus, just based on team play. And I thought, that speaks volumes. Because, I mean, a one-point loss, and it wasn't just us being, you know, local and saying, wow, they, they did way better than we thought. They performed way better than anybody thought, and the numbers bared that out. All right, let's get into it. We're not even going to waste any time. lot to get to, so let's get into our Bengals coverage for this week. This week, the Bengals lose 21-20 to the Seahawks, uh, but in a game that we thought they were going to get blown out. I think everybody, right. and, and I mean, when the line was set at 9.5 in an NFL game, that's that's kind of disrespectful because well, that's that's essentially you're you're going to get blown out. Yeah, I mean, because they don't set the, the spreads and, and double digits very often in the NFL, so... Unless you're the Pats playing the Dolphins in <laughs> Miami. That's the only time you're yeah. going to see. But no, I mean, it, it, 
it really was uh, the the highest point spread that you could possibly think of when you're thinking, all right, they really want people to bet the Bengals because they feel like everybody's going to bet the Seahawks. So it, it's totally just to get you know some bets on the other side. And I, you know what? I, the Bengals came out and they did something that I don't now. I had the game on. It started at four o'clock, and it was the same time as the Niners game. So I had one eye on on each of them. You were split screening it. Yeah, you and your fancy house. You had two TVs. Don't even lie. No, you had both big I, screens. Nah, no. one game on one, no. one game on the other. No, the Forty Nineers were on the laptop because you know I got local TV for that Bengals game and uh, had, had to go up that, had to go that Reddit free stream that for quote the unquote game. real. Link? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, that link for the Niners game was real fans watch uh, free TV. But yeah, no, so it was one of those things where I was watching two games at the same time, but um, throughout the day, I was watching other games earlier before that, the one o'clock games. And it's week one, and I feel like the last couple of years, this has bared out more than it has ever before. So few regular players play any of these preseason games that these yeah. the first week is so sloppy because it's a lot of the regulars getting back up to speed. And the Bengals-Seahawks game, to me, out of all the games that I paid any attention to and watched any, you know, any amount of, was the least sloppy game of all of them. So that's saying a lot because it, yeah. both teams played a pretty clean game and there were still, you know, penalties on both sides that you're like, all right, they got to clean that up, but it's week one. Right, exactly. So, I, you know, if you're a Bengals fan, you're not looking at it as well, you know, they lost, but it was all these penalties that kept them down. It was, hey, they lost. It was by a point. Yeah, there are a few things they can clean up. And obviously, you know, they had eight penalties and you'd like to have less. But it was by no means something embarrassing where you're just like, Jesus, man, here we go again because it's just a sloppy football team. So they there looked was, good. There were flashes where I was like, oh, no, what have we done? <laughs> there was like a, they were burning some timeouts, and I'm like, oh, my God, we got Marvin back. Like, we're using timeouts in the first quarter. What is happening? What are we doing? Uh, there were moments like that. But then there were these flashes where it was like, oh, this is a different team. The number one thing was going in at halftime. Marvin up. Lewis hands well hands before that before the touchdown to to end the half. Marvin Lewis would have sat down, knelt oh, the yeah, ball. Just, this is over. Yeah, we're done. We're going into it. the half. It's sure. close enough. Taylor comes out and calls that flea flicker, and it ends up going. Or the flea flicker was the the first score, wasn't it? Was, well, no, the flea flicker was uh, a play that I thought just extended one of the drives. No, there was a flea flicker for a touch. It was the first touchdown. Was the flea? Okay, flicker I was going to say. I was like, I remember the one that you know. Well, I guess it. I guess it did end up being the touchdown. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. But I didn't realize how before close to halftime half, that before was. Before half, they called a uh, a long pass, and Dalton ended up uh, thirty three yards yes. for a touchdown. Uh, and that's where I was like. This is a new day, D E Y. Well, just in general, though, new day. <laughs> well, just in general, the fact that they they did a flea flicker that that yeah, is not a play that you. The last time you saw a Bengals team run a trick play, I don't remember it. I well, don't remember. A you trick don't play. see many NFL teams take that type of uh, you know extreme risk, especially before halftime. Just in general, the fact that you know in his very first NFL head coaching game ever, Zach Taylor's like, you know what. We're going for the fleet flicker right before the half because what do we got to lose? Like that shit. Well, it was earlier because that was the first. That was the first touchdown. But he said he called it earlier in the game, and uh, apparently it's like built in. And he said that Geo read the blitz differently, and he saw the blitz, so he decided to just keep it instead of doing the fleet flicker. Uh, like okay, so he called for it twice. It, yeah, that was the gotcha. second call, and the second call ended up going for a touchdown, which is unreal. No, I mean that again. If you're any NFL coach of any tenure. That's a ballsy play because there's just a flea flicker in general. That's one of those plays that it's like it either works spectacularly or right. it fails spectacularly. Yeah. There's no in between. So the fact that, you know, Zach Taylor went with such a risk twice in his first ever, you know, head coaching game in the NFL, like that, that's what you want to know. And I, you know, I said going into last week, there might not be a lot of wins at the end of the season, but you, what you want to see. If you're a Bengals fan, by the end of the year, you want to see wins along the way. And I thought they won more than Seattle won. Even though the final score says that Seattle won the game, the Bengals took away more individual victories along the way than they did losses. And that's 
that's what you're looking for if you're a Bengals fan right now. Like, there's a regime, regime change. Zach Taylor's going to have to get his own guys in here, and he's got to figure out who's going to work, who's not, and there's some older guys that are just going to go out because, you know, time is going to catch up. But, you know, th- there were plays along the way that suggested he's the right guy for the job, and you've got to be excited if you're Bengals Well, fan. one of those guys in particular, and it was somebody we brought up and kind of hammered a little bit last week, and that's Andy Dalton. We came in and said... Get he's ready to gone. kiss Dalton goodbye <laughs> yeah, because he's it. not going to work under the system You know that Zach Taylor wants to run. He's not going to be the guy that you count on in this the future. Was, this wasn't even turn back the clock Andy Dalton Bengals uniform. This was TCU this was, Andy Dalton. Where has this Dalton been his yeah. entire career? He goes for career game yards. Career yeah. game. Uh, but Joe uh, pointed out before the show in our group chat, only two touchdowns. And that's that's something that you know this team needs to to work on. Right. It was weird too because I, I think they only had like three trips to the red zone too. It wasn't like they were never well uh, in striking distance. In, in that four hundred yards, there were a lot of big strike plays where it was a lot of yards. So <laughs> when you're looking at that four hundred yards, a lot of them came in chunk plays, and, and well, they came just outside right. of the red zone. So they, they ended up scoring on them, which you're not going to complain about. But I mean, you know, it four hundred yards is four hundred yards, right? But that's the thing, right? If uh, they're scoring so far away, once you get down in the nitty gritty, do they have the pieces right now? Well, we don't know AJ Green know. yet. I well, mean, and, and they don't, and they should. Do they have that. that up threat in the corner or a run? I mean, with Mixon and all that kind of stuff now going to well, be out. That, what do they do now if they get close to the red zone? Well, in the short term, I think that those those questions are left unanswered because Mixon left early with the injury, and they didn't really get in the red zone, so you don't know what the red zone offense. Will, Look like looks like you have no. We don't have any real idea, but I, I guess you kind of take your chances because again, well, you're not going to snuff your. Up. You're not going to lift your nose at 400 yards. Hold up, however, they have they have one of the best red zone threats, and I, I'm not just saying this and as AJ a Cincinnati fan. Not AJ Green, Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert. That's the guy that you go to in the red zone. That's your dude. Okay. And as long as Eifert well, can stay healthy, that's the guy that you got to go to well, in the red zone. I, I said this uh, on you know the. The WCPO Bengals podcast. Uh, name drop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even want to name drop. But I'm just going to say, I said that, that one of the biggest stats to come out of this game when you're looking at the box score is that two people made it out of the game healthy. John Ross and Tyler Eifert, yep. who have had trouble staying healthy both of their, you know, in John Ross's case, short career, and Eifert is, you know, slightly longer career. Both of them made it out of this game healthy, and that's huge because John Ross had a huge game, and Eifert was very quiet, but he he made the plays that came to him. Right, and again, they both left the the building under their own power, well, and that's huge, especially with AJ being out. John Ross stepped up and became that guy. He was the guy in that receiving core, and that was my big question going into this game, and that's why I didn't think Andy Dalton was going to be able to do well without AJ Green in the lineup. And then with Mixon going down hurt, it was like, okay, you have no run support now. And Tyler and your Boyd. Number one, <laughs> yeah, and your number one receiver is out. There is no way you're going right. to have it was, a good it, game. It was really just him and Tyler Boyd, and you thought there's absolutely no chance. But Ross stepped up big, and you know it, it was mentioned that um, it seemed like Ross had this confidence factor that for whatever reason, it, it, whether it was – he was drafted so high and he got hurt and that, you know, his rookie year he only had that one catch and he fumbled. Whatever it was, he he just never clicked and could get it right under Marvin Lewis. And it looked like, all right, he's gonna be a bust, it's a lost cause, and whatever you get out of him is gravy. But he seemed like a different player in this game in that he dropped that one pass. Yeah. That would have been yeah. a surefire touchdown on what was it like third down or something like that, or second down, and it was one of those moments where you're like, well, oh, that's John Ross. Right. And every Bengals fan there thought, he is. yeah, yeah, there he is. That is. But he came back on the very next play after that and caught the ball over the safety, who was in great position to knock that ball down and by all counts should have knocked the ball down, ran it in for touchdown, totally redeemed himself, and again, went on to a seven-reception day, two touchdowns, over 100 yards. <laughs> Maybe all it takes is... John Ross going back to Washington to play football because that's where he played collegiate ball and that's just where he performs better is the the upper northwest. Well, I'm wondering how much of that is John Ross is being utilized differently under Zach Taylor than he was under Marvin and then how much of it was look man, AJ's out, you got to step up. Like you need to step well, up. Well, I I think it's twofold. I think it's 
AJ's out. You've got to step up. And it doesn't matter what what's happened before. I am coming in with this complete blank slate for you. Right. I don't care what happened. I don't care how you know disappointed the fan base is, how disappointed anybody is in this building. I believe in you. You go out there and ball, and you can make mistakes and do what you do, and I won't care because this team needs you. And I think that I'm does... ready to run through a wall for you right now, Scott. Right. I am pumped. For but I mean, <laughs> I, I seriously think that, like, you know, Marvin got down on him really early. I don't know that Marvin necessarily wanted to draft him. I feel like that might have been a pick that Marvin was against, and it, you know, he just had to accept it because you know people higher than him right. decided that that was going to be the pick. And he came out and was very judgmental, and and Ross struggled, you know, because he's a skinnier dude, a lighter guy, and it just sometimes we forget that. It takes guys time in this league to develop. Not everybody comes in from day one is ready to hit the ground running, especially at receiver and quarterback and defensive line. And he just happens maybe to be one of those receivers that this is his third year. Maybe it's going to click. Right. Like, can you right. imagine what what it'll be like if this John Ross is still the John Ross when AJ Green come back and they have Boyd Green and him? Well, They're not going to be able to stop this. And offense. on top of that, you got Eifert as your tight end option. Right. Like that is assuming he's out. And Mixon, who didn't play most of this game, right? Mixon was like, hurt. So that's, this offense is legitimately dangerous, and if that's all of those so guys play up to the potential. Stay healthy. Watching this game, and, and I know I hate moral victories, and you know Joe even right. teased me about it before. Absolutely, the, but there that, are no moral. It victories, really but. is like watching this game and being like, okay, there are things that the team needs to work on. They were zero for three in the red zone. It, it's completely unacceptable. Right. There was the missed field goal earlier in the game which really comes back to haunt you when you lose by one like that's one that you're like are you <laughs> well oh. and i i actually think that the most critical play was so okay they go into halftime and they're up 17 to 14 they get the fumble from the the seahawks yep. right at the start of, right the third, at the, quarter. Yeah, start of the third quarter they're driving and it's like okay they're gonna score here whether it's a field goal or whether they get a touchdown and then the way things were going the way that drive had gone it looked like they probably get a touchdown Well, then Dalton has the ball completely just slip out of his hands because it was raining and it just unforced air fumble. They turn it right back over. It went from we've got this momentum and we can put them we can put them on their heels too. All right, now they're back and it's like okay, it's just this three point game. To me, that was the biggest play of the game. Even if you get a field goal out of that drive, right? It changes the it changes the complexity of everything. And so that was the biggest play of the game. And you don't want the fumbles, but again. You can chalk it up to the rain, and you can chalk it up to the fact that you know they're on the road. All of these things, it, it makes it so that you, when you look at it, a one-point loss. I, I mean, that's the 49ers would have wished for some one-point <laughs> losses over the past few years going into Seattle. <laughs> Seattle is not a place that you go into and expect to win. You just hope to keep it close and be in position in the fourth quarter to make a drive. The fact that the Bengals were in it all the way to the end, and we haven't even gotten to the controversial call at the end. Well, that's yeah, uh, I was gonna, you know, it, it, I would be very encouraged. I was going to bring that up. Fan. So there's there's three things that I think they need to work on. Number one is that running game. It is never a good sign when your quarterback throws for 418 yards and you finish like with 429 40. yards of offense. That yeah. is not a well, good sign at all. But again, Mixon goes out. So I'm willing. Well, right, if right, if right. Mixon had played the whole game and they had those type of splits, it'd be a bigger concern. But Mixon goes out and you're like, well, Bernard did what he could, and they basically I, abandoned the run. But I, I don't like. think it was really that uh, that much of an abandonment because that first drive, I think the play selection was like seven passing plays and no rushing plays. Like they came out and Zach Taylor was like, I am going to beat you with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is going to throw all over you, and that's what he did all game long. It will. Well, right. That's what, and that's what Taylor I'm saying. Taylor is like, taking hey, this new NFL approach of like, we're just going to air it out. Well, right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, which they is never, you never see in Cincinnati. It's right. Amazing. Well, they never bothered to really establish the run, but once Mixon went out, they certainly weren't going to. It was right. just literally to to mix it up, <laughs> and we're just throwing it in. And that is evident by their first down selection: eighteen passing first downs. One rushing attempt wow. on first down. <laughs> right. So I mean, they are weird. going wide open with but that. To be fair, 15 years ago when we were growing up watching football, that would be absurd and it would be unthought of. In today's NFL, I mean, that's par for the course. Like, there are very few first run first teams anymore in the NFL to where you're like, 
I mean, well, the, yeah. the best teams throw on first down anymore. So right. So the so going back. So the rushing game is one thing that that they need to improve upon for sure. But number I think as long as Mixon's healthy, they'll be fine. Right. Number two is that red zone offense. They went over three in the red zone. You need to you need to convert when sure. you're in there. When you're sure. down. And and to your point. Great, get your scores when you're outside of the red zone. If if you're 0 for 0 from the red zone and you win the game, I'm happy. I don't care. Right. I mean, know? if you're scoring outside of the red zone, then who gives a crap? What your right. Numbers exactly. Are. But if you're if you're in the red zone, you got to convert. Uh, so to go 0 for three is brutal. And then the other thing is the turnovers. And they had three asterisk fumbles uh, during that game. And I say asterisk because that last one is not a fumble. That's such garbage. Uh, I'm not saying that that would have changed the game. No. If, if, because you, you got 10 seconds well, left. Dalton has maybe two plays left. Well, here's my, here's my problem with that, that quote-unquote fumble, is that that was literally born out of the replay that they went to. That was the, the play that we all didn't know existed that birthed Tom Brady's career. <laughs> that was the tuck rule. I mean, his arm was going forward and the ball was coming out. And to me, once upon a time, that was a fumble. But the tuck rules said right. and dictated, and since that rule, everything has been gravitated around that. That was an incomplete pass. Yeah. Like, there's no way that you can tell me that was a fumble, but yet the tuck rule back in, you know, <laughs> 2003 what? or whatever, that was, you know, that was a fumble. Like, there's no way. Like, it, so... I, and and again, I'm not going to be one of those fans that says, if they would have just given that to us, Dalton had a chance. But right. He had a chance. And that's all I'm asking for in that situation is right. give him a shot. That didn't decide the game, but it's irritating from a standpoint of... The rules have changed so much, and that to me was the birth of the the new rule changes, the tuck rule. That was the the genesis mm -hmm. of everything we see now in the NFL as far as rule changes. I know CTE came along and like changed things for a difference when it comes to quarterbacks, but but to me, the the tuck rule was the very first rule that brought about all of this craziness since then. And for you to tell me that, well, that play. That's a fumble, but back then it, it was, you know, an incomplete pass. That's the complete and utter BS. Yeah. Like they agree. Again, I don't think that the Bengals win the game because there was so much more that had to be done in between that play and the rest of the game. It just seemed like the, the referees went back, looked at the video, and they're like, eh, there's no time left. Can we just go call home? it? Yeah, like, 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 like just it's raining. Call it. It's raining. I just want to get out like, of here, man. He's not going to complete this pass, right? <laughs> just call it a fumble and and end the day. And so that's that's annoying. D -E -Y, end the day. Yeah. Okay. Just, and the, I just had to the, make sure that that's how the it was. For yeah, sure. I wasn't. I wasn't one hundred percent sure. End their day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it it just it, it was crap, and you know, it is what it is. But if you're a Bengals fan, you, you feel great about what happened. I'm I I am very excited about that game. I it went totally different than I thought. I thought Zach Taylor's game plan of coming in and doing a lot of three step drops for Dalton, a lot of quick slants, a lot of screens, covered up the fact that that offensive line was struggling. And I think that puts us in a good position moving forward as we get ready for the Niners. Uh, so you actually watched both games. You, mm -hmm. I did not see any of the Niners game. Niners game was awful. I know that Garoppolo did not have a great game. So going into this week, the entire offense was shite. <laughs> like it was it, like seriously if the Niners offense plays like that the rest of the season they're not going to make it because it was just it was very terrible and the defense carried them which is hasn't been the case since Harbaugh was in charge like the defense has lacked so much over the last few years that it was like please dear god let the defense finally show up and they just need to be competent not dominant well this game they were pretty close to dominant and the offense was just completely inept. And so it was this, it was between them and the Bucks. it was who's going to out-crap who? <laughs> like, I mean, it was, there was never really any good Nobody play. Nobody really wanted to eat yeah. that W? Yeah, no, no. Like, <laughs> the, the Bucks looked just as bad on offense, if not worse than the Niners. And it was just like, dear God, let this game get out of his misery. And sure enough, it ended off of, you know, uh, an incomplete play on fourth down for the the Bucks in the red zone and it was just like mercifully like thank god this game is over like the Niners escaped with a victory so the the Niners escape week 1 the Bengals come out and exceed expectations in week 1 now we've got the home opener here in Cincinnati the Niners have to come across the the country no to 
Because they stayed in Youngstown. They did stay in Youngstown. That's, that's <laughs> so they're, they're very staying true. on yeah, the Eastern Time Zone Which clock. they do. They always end up doing that. They the, do. The DeBartlows are very smart about, all right, we're going to rent out Youngstown State. We're going to practice up here in Youngstown. It's absolutely smart when they've got multiple games on the road. Which isn't Just, it funny that this uh, – so the Bengals had to go out west for week one – but had the advantage of this is week one. We can get out there early. Right. It's fine. We can adjust. <laughs> right. And the Niners are like, well, that's all right. Our owners are from Youngstown. We'll just go in <laughs> there a week this. early yeah. and relax and chill out. And, get and not many everything. teams have that. So, I mean, it's a luxury that's unheard of. Really, right. But, but still, you, there's still some, you know, you're traveling. You're away from home. You're far away from your family, sure. your kids, you know. You, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still an NFL road game. Right. Like nobody's uh, discounting that. The, the Bengals do have a two and a half, but they're favored by two and a half points coming into this one. So they got the home basically it's a toss up right they ju- they just get the it's home it's it's a pick 'em right exactly yeah. they just get the 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 home advantage um how do you see this one shaking out because i, I my worry is and Joe brought this up uh to me here Mixon's still day to day so we don't even know if he's going to be able to to well, come out but the niners lost Tevin Coleman who started the game at running back for them and their running game looked worse than their passing game which is not the whose running game was worse in week 1 the Bengals and the Niners um, the Bengals, but that's only because they ran it less. <laughs> okay. Like the Niners tried to run the ball and couldn't. You know, Matt Breida so left the, with an injury. I think the Bengals and they struggled. Two point four yards a carry. Like yeah, it, that was. I mean, it was you know, pitiful. It the, was a pitiful run. The Niners had Raheem Mostert in there after you know Coleman went down. So the Niners' offense looked atrocious. I think the difference is that the Seattle defensive front isn't as good as the Niners, which is weird to say because you know that's very strange, the, especially the, with Clowney being a. Right. Well, and but it's just they're not the Legion of Boom anymore. And so like that has, you know, that perception has still stayed there, but they're not quite there. But the Niners, Nick Bosa, first career game, had seven Ooh. pressures and a sack in his first NFL game. And he's coming back home, quote unquote, right. to Ohio. Uh, D, and D Ford was as advertised coming over from Kansas City. Like that front four is legit and they played well enough that everybody else looked great behind him and haven't even factored in Quan Alexander got ejected from that game on the very first <laughs> series when he hit uh, Jameis Winston on a slide slash not slide because it's the NFL and, you know, the targeting role. But, um, you know, he didn't even play most of the game and the defense still re- looked really good. I actually see this as a low scoring game where both teams kind of do what they do, but neither one is able to get out in front of the other. I'm thinking this is like a 2017 game Niners, like or 2017 game Bengals. You like, would pick the Niners on this show. Well, you I have would, to. yeah. You, <laughs> I kind of have to. It's my it's my duty. But yeah, I, I just I feel like the Niners have just enough. I I will say this: if AJ Green was there, I would I would be worried. I would I would think this is probably not going to go the Niners' way. But well, I think I, I think that's the difference: is that. They don't necessarily have that go-to on the wide receiver thing, where it's like the Niners have just enough secondary. That's what. So that's what I'm interested in looking at in this game because I want to see if John Ross can replicate what he did in Week One. That's going to be the big thing. If John Ross has another game like he did in Week One, I think the Bengals have a legit shot at winning this. Absolutely. Game. If but, John Ross is John Ross <laughs> that we know, then well, the and Niners I think going to run away. I with think it. that coming into this game, the Niners are looking at John Ross as, oh, okay, he's no longer a pushover. We've got to account right. for him, so we're not going to let what. But see, we'll take away got, John Ross. Good okay, luck. With so you the rest take of away it. John Ross. You still have Boyd. You still have Eifert, and Dalton is yeah, still. But again, like you're not at this point. You're like, well, let's see if Eifert can beat you. And you know what Boyd can do? Boyd still had eight catches in this game. Right. Like it wasn't like he was invisible. But you let Boyd get his. If you shut down Ross, well, then I mean, again, they they've just got Boyd. I'm so. feeling so much better about this game than I was like oh no the season I if was you're like, a Bengals fan this this was a loss or this was another well we hope for a moral victory type game in this one and it's the home opener so maybe you can chuck it up absolutely if I was a Bengals fan I think we can win this game like it's winnable and I feel much worse as a Niners fan than I did a week ago because of the way they played in Seattle I'm like jeez ah, the way the Niners played in Tampa Bay and the way the Bengals played in Seattle I'm thinking, well, this isn't as much as a gimme game as it was, and the the line bears that out. The fact that they're pretty much straight up suggests that you know if this is going to come down to one of this is going to come down to a mistake play on one of the the two teams' efforts. See, that's why I feel like the Bengals end up. I think they win this one, but they don't cover. 
which is one of those awful situations. <laughs> that would be really weird. In a two and a half, two and a half point game, oh, yeah. They went 20, right, they won 20. Like, yeah. yeah, just a one point. How uh, funny would that be if they reversed the, the tables on I'd their be week one? Totally loss. cool with that. I uh, would not be okay with that. <laughs> I only go to, I've only been to one other NFL game in my life, and that was when the Niners came here in 2012. The Niners won. It was a game that set football back 12 decades. I really don't want this game to be like that, but all all that matters to me at the end of the day is because I've been told if they lose, it's my fault. I really need them to come through with this win. I don't care if it's three to six. I need the Niners to win. The only thing I'm not looking forward to in this game is all of the coming back from commercial cuts where they're just going to show the Super Bowl highlights from the the Bengals and Niners. Mm. That's what they do whenever they play each other. I'm just going to have to watch and relive all of those memories of the Bengals losing the Super Bowl to the Niners. So you got that spread. But what about a over-under 45? Mm. That is, man. And you even said 2017. So you were right under under that. But man, uh, 45. That would mean, yeah. No, I don't. That mean twenty one twenty four is what they're thinking. Like the final, final. score is right. right. Then that's close, but I I just I think the way that week one went, I'm going more twenty. I'm taking the under on that. I'm gonna push it. I'm gonna go with that twenty four twenty one score. <laughs> I'm gonna push the line. Uh, and in that case, the Bengals do cover because I think they'll win twenty four twenty one. So they cover three. and we push the line. I'm that's my go to on this one. So sorry, Bengals fans. I'm pretty sure I just jinxed us on that pick. I'm going to take that. Mike picks them to win, and uh, I feel really good about the Niners this week. <laughs> yeah, you should feel so much better I do. than I you feel did great. Like three minutes ago. <laughs> Be like, man, this game. It's uh, in the bag, baby. <laughs> uh, all right, good. Well, so uh, looking at the the Bengals uh, and, and the AFC North uh the AFC North just that's the other good thing about this loss to the Seahawks in week 1. You really don't lose too much ground. I feel like if the Steelers had beaten the Patriots, that was one that it's like, "Oh boy, that because if if the Steelers beat the Patriots, one that's a good sign for the Steelers that they're back and and you know, they're not missing a beat without Antonio Brown, but they looked awful against the Patriots. Right. Not able to find Pater at all. Uh, the Browns obviously have their woes. So the Ravens are the only ones that win in the AFC North in week one. And you can even discount that a little bit by being because like, they yeah, play but the they Miami. played the Dolphins. So <laughs> right. come on, who really cares about that one? Despite the fact that Lamar Jackson played like not a running back, uh, I, I feel really good about the AFC North and the fact that everybody struggled except for Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, you're in a good spot if you're the Bengals because they struggled nobody... the least out of anybody else in the AFC North. Right, and and they didn't fall too far behind anything. I mean, yeah, if you're looking at the fact that Miami came out and blew the doors off everybody, everybody else lost. Well, because so... you look at it as okay, I knew you knew the the Ravens were going to win. That was it. Right. That was a win. Everybody thought the Browns were going to win. And then the Steelers and Patriots was like, let's see what happens here. And if the Steelers win that one and you're the only team in the division to lose, now it's it's brutal. And it's only week one, but that's a a way different feeling than being like, all right, almost everybody lost. We're we're still in this. Right. And so if you come back out this week and you win, and and even if everybody else in the division wins, again, you keep pace. And so that's all you can ask for after two weeks. Like the fact that you're you didn't fall, you know, two games behind where you're zero and two, and everybody yep. else has, you know, a win and a loss or whatever. So, you know, they're in a good spot no matter what happens this week. I'm excited. Let's talk about a team that is not in that great of a spot. That's our beloved Cincinnati Reds. Oh, the Reds' magic number right now is six. As we record and this, what's that magic number? That magic number. There you go. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Got it that time around. Good good work, man. Uh, that magic number is to avoid 90 losses on the year. <laughs> oh, so okay. Okay. Six more wins, and the Reds will avoid 90 losses, which I would think is a that's a big improvement after last season where they lost 93. Uh, so big, <laughs> big step up <laughs> this time around. Uh, really not much to talk about in terms of the Reds. The big news over the last week since we last recorded uh, last Wednesday was Michael Lorenzen setting records, becoming the first player since Babe Ruth to play in the field, get a win, and hit a home run in the same game. And then following it up a few days later, 
hitting a walk-off to, to win a game. Lorenzen is one of those dudes that it's like, okay, what do we do with him going forward? Right. <laughs> he seems to not have a place on the Reds only because he seems like he's a much more valuable piece. He's a Swiss Army knife, right? And in baseball, there are none of those because everybody in baseball is so specialized, so locked into what they do. Um, he seems like he'd be so more valuable on a team that was going somewhere. I have zero clue like how the Reds move forward with him because no matter what, it feels like they're wasting his talents. Right. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, do you do you let him pitch where, you know, he's going to get some at-bats and, you know, but it's it, you're coming in and he's coming in in relief. It's not like he's a starter where he's going to get right. multiple at-bats in a game. He's coming in in relief, so maybe he gets an at-bat, maybe not. Do you bring him in as a pinch hitter? Do you bring him in as a, a substitute, you know, uh, outfielder? How do you utilize this guy going forward? And the biggest thing is that this is his last year technically under contract. Oh, wow. Next, next I didn't even realize that. Next, wow. next year he's in his arbitration year three and the year 2021 arbitration year four. And you're talking about he's 27 now. He's only making a little less than $2 million. You is, I mean, you're either going to lose him or you got to sign him. Are you going to sign him and... Well, how much is he worth, too? Because, I mean, there's all of these anomalies, but they're, That's the hard they're very specialized. Like, I have no idea what you pay him and say, yeah, that's Okay, so Lorenzen is not going to be a starting pitcher. You can't put him in the rotation, especially with no. what the Reds have for the rotation going into next year. So right, the best, rotation is like the strongest right. part of their team. So at best, he's a bullpen player. Uh, well, I'm sorry, on the pitching side, at best, he's a bullpen player. Uh, or do you sign him with the intent of like, listen, man, we're going to put you in the outfield. You're going to be – but even then – He's not a starter. You don't put you. He's not going <laughs> right. to start in the outfield with what you got out there. I don't know, man. It's tough because you still have Senzel, uh, which they could move to the infield. That's a, a possibility that they third been baseman around. by trade and second base tried out. Yeah. Right, but he's he's been getting time in the outfield. You got right. Philip Irvin out there. You got Van Meter. Like, wh- where does Lorenzen fit in in that outfield in an already crowded outfield? I don't know, but I feel like you can't afford to lose him. I don't know what right. He's like I don't that guy. Yeah, that it's I like, don't know what you pay him. I don't know what we do with him. But but we've got to keep got, him. Yeah, we <laughs> we got to get him signed somehow. It, uh, and it's tough because again, you're 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 building for the future and like how big of a piece is he of that future? Because by the time the Reds are supposed to be good, like will he even be around? Like, is he the piece to build around on the Reds right now? Him, him, and Senzel, and no. is he the starter you keep and a bat like Senzel no. and around? I mean, no. it's, I, th- it's I hard think, to look. I think Castillo is still the one you build around when you're talking about pitching. Yeah, but it's this hard is, to build around a this bullpen is, piece. Like if if you're looking at a uh, a third guy though, where you're just like somebody who could do everything. Like I, I definitely think he's in the conversation of one that you want on your team. Like these guys are invaluable, right? Like, so then, so then you're paying them. You're paying them this summer. I, but I, Besides, I think you're paying I mean, him to otherwise, a certain extent. Otherwise, you're going into arbitration for next year. I mean, right. he's going to make about two. I, I would right. say, I would say you pay him just because you don't want it to get to arbitration where they overvalue and it, then, and you just like right. you see if you can get you, some type of or discount. you lose him, and he's just you get nothing from him, you know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a it's a tough spot to be in because at 27 again, he's in the prime of his career. So ideally, he'd be playing on a team that was contending for something he's so streaky though on the mound that's what kills me yeah. is there will be games where it's like lorenzen lorenzen's coming in here we go and he either is lights out strikes out the side looks like a just a baller or he comes in and gives up three runs and it's like dude what just happened i feel like him and amir garrett are two guys that when one is good the other is awful you, if we can right. get Lorenzen and Garrett to be good, good together, <laughs> and they just bail each other out, which is fine, but if we could get both of those two to be good at the same time, oh my god, that bullpen would be stacked. So you get if you if those two are locked in, plus the rotation that they have coming in next year. In, in that case, Joe, I just I, I talked myself into it. I'm signing Lorenzen. I'm I'm paying him the money. I'm keeping him in my bullpen and allowing I'm, him to come in well, and make these. But I would use him more in the field. Well, and I was gonna say, I was like, I'd pay him. I'd pay him what he's worth. But I would start using utilizing him more. That's the thing. They, hey, they're not doing it enough. So you're taking the Shohei Otani approach yes. with the Angels, where Absolutely. where if he's not pitching, he's playing the field, or 
I mean, like when every they, day he's coming when in base, doing something. When baseball gets to everybody, the universal DH, you can have him DH. Jesus, dude, you got to go there with it. No, well, he's okay, not even a if DH. It, he's even, not oh, a DH. No, 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 I would put Lorenzo. But that's the thing. DH. Even if he's not, though, I legitimately <laughs> make it like you know, little league and high school baseball, where he's playing every day, one way or the other. Whether you put him in as a defensive replacement, and he gets in at bat, he comes as in a reliever, you yeah. start him, like whatever it is. The dude is the the Swiss Army knife of your team. You know what's amazing, too, about that, that we haven't really seen utilized a lot this year, but you can make a pitching change with a guy in the field. Oh, so, yeah. And I, I haven't seen Bell do it yet, but that's, I think, how you use Lorenzen more effectively going well, into the next season. You bring him in, I think, you let him pitch, you put him to the outfield, and then you bring him back onto the mound. Oh, well, I, I think, again, that that's, that's where it's solid. That's a strategy more used by a team that's in contention and like doing a lot of right. things like you're not Joe worrying looked, about juggling Joe had the the biggest American I, League fan no, reaction uh, I've no, no, ever no, seen to that no, right no, no it's just uh, I'm thinking about his arm you're gonna let his arm cool down for like an inning or two and not move at all and then you're gonna ask him to come back and throw 90 yeah sure why not after throwing 90 then I'm gonna stop and not do it for like a half hour because <laughs> that's how long an inning takes <laughs> and then you're gonna ask him to do it a half hour later well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly how are what do. they are. Let's not blow up my idea just yet, Joe. I think that sounded very cool. That was a good sound bite. So let's not shoot it I mean, down. I mean, if you're letting him, if you bring him in, let's say top seven, he goes through a couple batters, moving his arm, and then let's say he goes to the first batter, then the whole, oh, I don't like that righty righty matchup. And uh, you throw him out <laughs> on the field, and then you bring him back in the bottom. And he keeps his <laughs> arm warm. I'm like, you can do, do maybe a pitcher in between. Well, and that's more what I'm thinking. You have Lorenzen come in, face a batter, head out to left field, bring in a, a, a matchup that suits better, and then knock knock Garrett out and bring Lorenzen back in. You're not burning an additional arm in the bullpen. I mean, there's a lot that you have to factor into it, but I just I, I figure if you pay him, you get the this is one of those ones where you're like, all right, we're gonna get every last dollar out of him. Exactly. You got so, so we're all in agree. Pay him. Pay, pay the him. man. Pay yeah. him. Pay the man. I, I think I think you pay have him, don't, to pay him. Don't pay him. Yeah. Pay him, pay, pay him, pay him. Yeah, I, I don't think unanimous. It's, I don't think it's like uh, a hindrance <laughs> enough to not pay him. Like you, you keep him because you can still keep him at a reasonable. And deal. even if he, I mean, he, what stats are you basing his payment on? Like exactly. that's the other thing that you have in your advantage is he's he's still a bullpen which, arm, which or is why, a replacement player. So which is why you're going to get good value. All it's worth, like even if you say, all right, he maxed out at nine million a year. Well, guess what? You're doing so much more than any other nine million dollar <laughs> right. bullpen arm is. Then you know, so right you get your right now worth. you're in a as the Reds, you're in a good spot because just think about how the Saints were with like Jimmy Graham, where Jimmy Graham was like, "Pay me like a wide receiver. I'm a wide receiver, but he's a tight end." And you can like set his pay schedule right now to where it's like either right. I'm going to pay you as a relief pitcher, starting pitcher, whatever. Or my backup left right. field. And then I was yeah. going to say, and then no matter what, you're using him as all of them. Right, exactly. <laughs> you still get that benefit. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, magic number six, as we're recording this, this may change by the time the, the show comes out. But we just need to get to six, Reds fans. And then all is right with the world. We take over next year. That's where we're at. We get to less than 90 losses. Less than it, 90 losses. Biggest question. Biggest question. Votto on the team next year? Yeah. Yes. Nobody, Why? Because, because nobody's no, going to take the contract. Not, he's not going anywhere. Nobody, yeah. And and Reds. It's uh, literally by default. Does, does, right. Is he getting replaced super quick, though? No, no, no. I think I think there's there's too much. Money I think tied there. Up well, I him. think there will come a time, and I don't know how much time he has left on his contract. There will come a time when he's shipped off at the trading deadline because you know it's a, he's at the end of his deal. But like, as long as he has time on that contract, full years, like he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I well, and not only that, Cincinnati has such a, a problem with loving their their players. Yeah, Joe's just seeing what this this twenty twenty four right when he signed that. Yeah, he's deal, not going anywhere. When Joey twenty Votto, million dollars till twenty twenty four. When Joey Votto signed that contract, it was Joey Votto is retiring a red. Right. That was him cementing his place as I will be on this team forever until I decide. I'm Does done he with the game. just retire? 
No. Do you think he's done? No. No, no absolutely no, no, no. not. He's got that sweet check that sweet check he'll, swing. He'll play out uh, this contract work. for sure. <laughs> right. Why wouldn't you? I'm not going to give up 20 million a year if I could just look go at, up there and Look at Pujols. Pujols is still up there chugging cuz like why? Cuz he gets paid. <laughs> like that'll be Vado. He'll just be up there every Re- day. Restructured be Bonnie Bonilla. And then the Reds are just on the Bonnie Bonilla hook. <laughs> oh, if the Reds oh, become the new Mets, that'd Joey be a sad Votto day. Oh, oh. That does not sound fun to me. Um, all right, let's get into some college football before we close out the show here. Uh, let's talk some UC and that. Ooh. Whew. Rough week for the Bearcats uh, as they went into Ohio State. Was it, though? I mean, they, yes. they played close early no. on. No. <laughs> it, it was 0-0 zero zero at one point. It was 0-0, zero to zero, and then <laughs> there was a kickoff, and then it w- went then all it down. Went down. From there. <laughs> uh, I did tweet out at one point. I was like, 28 nothing, UC fans. This is where <laughs> Ohio State takes their foot off the gas. You got them right where you want them. I do remember saying that. They did not take their foot off the gas. Uh, Ohio State did what Ohio State does. Um, even the odds makers didn't see this one. UC only a 16-point underdog going into the game, getting run out of the stadium. Uh, just an absolutely ugly performance all around from the Bearcats. Uh, I don't even think we should spend time on this one. Like It, it, it happened. It was not what we expected. We thought it was going to be closer. We thought UC was going to be show something in this game, and they didn't show anything. Uh, so this is one of those where Fickle's like, okay, you played in Columbus, moving on to Miami. We're on to Miami. Right. He, he goes in with his Bill Belichick, we're on to Miami. <laughs> I mean, if anything, this would more be the one for uh, Ohio State fans. They're still wondering what they have in Justin Fields. Yeah, the quarterback. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. Still, nobody knows exactly what because like, he's just he's an enigma through two games where it's just like, can he run? Can he pass? Like he can do both, but not really great on either side. Like they won both games, yeah. but it wasn't necessarily because of him. I mean, if you're an Ohio State fan, I I would just be worried about how the season's going to play out because in the biggest games where he has to be the man, can he be? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't it, he doesn't seem like he matches up with some of the other big name quarterbacks that are out there currently. Well, I just think just even recent Ohio State quarterbacks you're like, "All right, I don't feel as good as I did with Miller. I don't feel as good as I did with um what's his name last year? Not uh just before um Barrett Yes, Barrett. That's that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Like like those guys. Even though you were like, all right, then they're not necessarily going to be NFL guys. Like they were very solid at, at you know the OSU level. Like he hasn't quite hit that mark yet. And I'm like, if I'm an OSU fan, I'm like a little nervous on how this is all going to play out because they've got the sixth ranked in the country, but are they? the sixth team because you go as your quarterback goes and so well, i hope they lose uh like quick <laughs> <laughs> but moving on to to the bearcats in miami uh, everybody picking the bearcats to win this one it's a uh, heavy even, favorite even you? i did pick it on uh, our show <laughs> I, I picked that for our degenerate dartboard of doom which i think was egregious bearcats 17 and a half point favorites against miami so Okay, but Miami they're, played, they're at Miami, right? Or are they is, is Miami No, it's I, I believe it's at Nipper. Might make some uh, okay. I could be wrong on that one, but I'm pretty sure it's at It Nipper. would make sense cuz Miami was or oh, UC was home for right. week 1 in the way last week, so right. they should be home. But even still, I just that's a huge spread. Miami but Miami, okay, so they they've played Iowa and got beat 38-14 and then they played Tennessee Tech and you know, ran it up 48-17, but they Looking at that, it's like, okay, you allowed 17 points to Tennessee Tech. Uh, I didn't even know Tennessee Tech was a school until you just said it. (laughs) And UC is a little bit more battle-tested. Granted, UCLA is not a great team, but I would put UCLA and Ohio State way above Iowa and Tennessee Tech. Like UC is definitely more battle-tested, more ready for this game. I'll give you that. Uh, So I, I just feel like they are... It's just a lot of points. It is a lot of points, but it's also <laughs> college football. It's not like the NFL where seventeen and a half points sure. is like egregious. It's that that happens a lot, and I, I do think that this is a game. I just that think UC the rivalry game. I just I wouldn't trust it. That's all. Like I I definitely think that UC will win, but asking them to win by more than seventeen points is a is a lofty goal. Mark it down. The Mike Berlon <laughs> lock number two of the week. Uh, we got 
The Bengals win in 24-21, and you got UC winning. I'm going to give this one, uh, you know what? I'm going to say 21 nothing. I'm going to say they blank Miami. <laughs> you're not only saying that they beat by 17. You're, you're saying they pitch a shutout. Mark it down. I'm literally willing to bet that both of those things don't happen. <laughs> the shutout or the spread. <laughs> like, I don't know what. Like, we got to make just a little personal side bet here. That we'll play, neither yeah, we'll, of those things are going to happen. We'll, well, let's put a bet on the Bengals 49ers. Right. Since, it's, since it is both our teams, we'll do some type of bet. Uh, maybe like a, a hypno bet. Fine. For for next week, loser has to do a shot of hypno for just the, Bengals Niners. Yeah, for Bengals. Niners. But but I mean, then I want to counter that with the Bengal or with the the Bearcats. No, you let Miami. me take this crazy stance. <laughs> this is my crazy hot take for the week. It's insane. Twenty one nothing. Joe, am I crazy for thinking that this is going to happen? <laughs> the house music's playing you off. So All right, fair you know, enough. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to week two of Craft Root Sports Cincinnati. So style. much fun, man! It is a lot of fun. Good I times. really like being able to hone in on our city and, and right. talk about our sports. Uh, so, if you guys also like us talking about this, be sure to share it out with your Cincinnati friends. Uh, even those who don't follow Cincinnati sports are probably going to enjoy this, right? And subscribe, rate, and review. You're darn right, Joe. Thank you for that. And when you're not listening to this show, make sure you tune in to Craft Brood Sports. Yes, we have two episodes basically coming out every week. Subscribe to the podcast uh, and get both of those episodes every single week. In between, follow us on Twitter at Craft B Sports. You can follow me at Mike Burlon. You can follow Scott at Scotty K underscore Junior. Follow Joe at Joe Goalie 4. If you have any crazy hot Cincinnati takes, leave them on our drunk line, 440-37-DRUNK. Leave a voicemail, send us a text message, whatever. Thank you guys so much for listening, for tuning in. Cheers, everybody. We out. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.